Summer is long gone now and, and fall is here, which means most of us are not taking a vacation anytime soon. At least, at least me and my friends aren't. And, uh, you know, I've heard, I've heard the expression in the last couple of years, uh, you know, I need a, I need a vacay from my vacay, right? I need a vacay from my vacay. Um, and I, I think what they're saying is now that my vacation is over, I need, I need another one just to relax, right? Now that my vacation is over, I need another one just to relax. And I've also heard fathers and mothers say, uh, now that I return from my vacation with my family, I need a vacation from my family, right? And so we all, we all, we live in a culture where I think we, we feel entitlement or we feel a sense of, uh, a sense of uh, worth because we say, hey, I deserve rest. I deserve to find time for myself. But you know, it wasn't like that in the ancient civilization. In the ancient civilization, uh, the Greeks thought the Jews were lazy because they insisted on having a holiday every seventh day. In modern America, uh, we take the five-day work week for granted. I don't think we quite understand the radical concept of rest. There's a radical concept in, in these ancient times of Jesus' time. The weekly day of rest, the Sabbath, has no parallel in any other ancient civilization. In ancient times, leisure was for the wealthy and the ruling class, never for the serving or laboring citizens. In addition, uh, the very idea of rest each week was unimaginable. You can look forward to at least one day of rest every week. It was unimaginable. It was ridiculous. But the Jews believed in a creator, God. And this creator, God, after his work was done, his work of creation, on the seventh day, he rested. He rested. The Jews believed in an undeniable link between rest and well-being. Between rest and well-being. An undeniable link. They understood or they believed that real rest causes life. Hence, we even think of the word recreation. Right? Recreate. Recreate. And the Jews also understood that rest unknown or unobtained causes death. Without rest, the soul aches and it turns on itself. We've heard no rest for the weary. Uh, some people uh, say that it's actually no rest for the wicked. Right? No rest for the wicked. And it's this idea of uh, one's heavy workload or lack of peace is due to one's own choices, to one's own sinful life. And Jesus was speaking uh, to a people who believed in rest, but they were at unrest because they were going about the wrong way. They had a wrong view of God. They had, and when you have a wrong view of God, you're wrong about everything. 
can we be can we be straight here? When you have a wrong view of God, when you do not have a true understanding of God, then you cannot have a true understanding of anything else. You have a wrong understanding, a crooked understanding of anything else. And here is the group that Jesus is talking to. In today's passage, the Jews of this time knew a thing or two about being weighed down. You know, when I read this passage as a young Christian, uh, I thought it was just a one-size-fits-all verse or three verses, you know? Like, hey, somebody's beat up, broken down, weathered, withered. You just throw them this passage. Hey, man, Jesus says, come, all who, uh, all who labor and are weary, and he will give you rest. But as I did a little bit more inspection of this passage, I realized that Jesus was speaking to a specific problem. To a specific problem. And he understood and he observed that the Jews were being weighed down by something that was supposed to lift them up. And it was the law. It was the law. And, you know, we feel like that too sometimes, right? Oh, you know, I got to go to church. Oh, I got to do the right thing. Oh, I got to be good. I got to try harder. I got to be a good Christian. Oh, let me make a side note here. If you're trying to be a Christian, then you're in trouble. (laughs) You're in trouble right there. Because Christianity is not about trying. It's about trusting. It's about trusting. Jesus. Christianity is not about me. It's not about you. It's about Christ. It's about Christ. And and so these people were being weighed down by something that's supposed to uh, alleviate and lift them, and it was the law. And it's because there was these people called Pharisees, and they had the authority of Moses during this time. And they were the interpreters and the teachers of the law. And they demanded that all the people in Israel um, who submitted to Moses should now also submit to them. And Jesus would blast these people over and over throughout the gospel, throughout the scriptures. He would blast them, right? He would always just shots fired, and always throwing them under the bus, always ragging on them. And it was mainly because they had codified the law of God. And this law was good, holy, and righteous because it's from a good and holy and righteous giver. So the law reflects the law giver. Parents, you know that. <laughs> you know that in here if you're a parent. Your rules and your laws, right, they reflect you. So when your child violates the law, you feel violated. Right? It's personal. Because you're the lawgiver. And see, the law is good because from God, a good, holy, and righteous God. But this law is supposed to bring liberty. But the Pharisees made them heavy laden or weighed down with this law. Rather than freedom, this law all of a sudden brought oppression. And and instead of a sense of release, it brought a sense of guilt and failure. So these people were serving and and trusting and, and, and obeying the law, but it was bringing no release, no peace, no contentment, no fulfillment. Imagine that. It's like running on treadmill. Right? It says you're going somewhere, but you're in the same place. Right? It says you ran two miles, three miles, but you're in the same place. And Jesus has made an invitation. It is a command, in fact. And he is showing us today 
that service, surrender to Jesus, is an invitation to rest. Service, surrender to Jesus, is an invitation to rest. Or another way to put it, put it or think of it is the way of true rest according to Christ, according to the gospel. The way of true rest is having one desire in the same direction. Is have one desire in the same direction. I want to just, as quickly as I can, uh, answer three questions from this text so we can get there together, Lord willing. I want to answer the first question, what is rest? What is rest? We all think we know what this word means. I think I know what it means. If you say, yo, B, what is rest? I would say, not to work, (laughs) right? What is rest? Not working, or absence of work or motion, inactivity. But it is so much more. It is so much more. Perhaps another word to describe rest really well is recover. Recover. That's why we sleep. It makes us humble. <laughs> I need to sleep. Can't keep going. To recover. Rest is the means in which you recover from fatigue and suffering. Because these are the people that Jesus is speaking to. They're tired and fatigued and beat down by the construction and the constrictions of this law. What is rest to you guys? Some people uh, did a little study and uh, top ten things people do to rest. (laughs) What are the the ten things people do to rest? And most of them involve being alone, I noticed. Uh, some people read. I think people have a walk in nature. Um, listen to music. Some people just do nothing to rest. Take a brisk walk. Some people take a shower, a bath. Some people like daydreaming. That's how they rest. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Any, I, I'm not like that. Maybe that's you, right? You daydream for a little bit and you snap back to reality and you feel rested. I don't know, right? Some people like watching TV. That's the way I rest too. Right? I don't want to think. I want to escape. I want another narrative. So I watch TV. I, I, I binge watch or something like that. And some people uh, have the audacity to meditate. Right? That's how they rest. Uh, Jesus seems to be asking, uh, what is rest to you? How do you rest? How do you rest? And we all have an answer. And we all have an answer that doesn't include him. We all have an answer that does not include him. Jesus makes this invitation to rest, to come to me, he says, because he knows all of us find rest in things that bring unrest. And restlessness. I'm the guiltiest. I'm most guilty. Another way that we could ask what is rest is what thoughts give you a peace of mind? What thoughts give you a peace of mind this morning? To you, this is rest, real rest to you. Because rest is a form of fulfillment or after fulfillment. You know, uh, I come from a uh, Asian background, because I am, and I'm Korean-American, to be exact. And one of the things that my mother and father, uh, 
declare and swear that will bring them rest. And they'll die happy is if they see me get married. Right? They just want to see me get married. And if they see me get married, then they can die at rest. Then they can, they said, then you can really put RIP. Right? Then, then you can, you believe that. Okay? So for them, that is a form of nirvana or salvation. The happy place. There's a happy place in your mind. There's a happy place. And for the Jews, it may be, I will be the most law-abiding person around. Right? I'll be a good son. I'll be a good father. I'll be an excellent worker, a servant, pastor, friend, confidant. What does this rest to you? What does it look like? What thoughts give you a peace of mind? My mom and dad say, it's to see me. And because you know why I think they want to see me get married? It's not just because they want to see me get married. You know what they believe in, in the cultural righteousness or cultural ideology? They believe that if they see me get married before they die, their work is finished. Their work is finished. My job as a parent is done. My job as a parent is done because my son is wedded. My son is married. What about for you? Just think about it for a second. I know some of you guys are very young, but even graduation, right? oh, then I can finally rest. No, you can't. <laughs> no, you can't. You ain't going to rest. <laughs> you going to work more, right? The adults, the parents in this room, oh, when she or he is 16 and can drive, then I can rest a little bit. When he or she is 18, they, right, and they're self-sufficient and independent, then I can rest. But are you sure of that? The Jews could not experience rest because they were too busy obeying the rules on how to rest. Sound familiar? Sound familiar? We don't know how to rest like the Jews. We can't experience rest because we were too busy obeying the rules on how to rest. The work is never done. The work is never done. And that goes to my second uh, question after what is rest. Why is it so hard to rest? The rest test, you could say. Maybe we don't know how to rest because we don't know there is an invitation. Maybe we don't know that there is rest, not just for your body, not just for your emotion, not just for your mind, but for the most important part of you, your soul. It is your soul that needs rest this morning. Because there has been countless days where I got eight hours of sleep, but my soul was not at rest. And vice versa, where I only got three hours of sleep. But my soul found rest. Found rest. I already alluded to this, but why is it so hard to rest? Why is it so hard to find rest? Because uh, many of us, uh, we, we love to work, but we don't know what we're working for. We don't know what we're working for and who we're working for. Maybe you can't find rest because... You don't feel like you have a place in this world. 
But most sincerely, I think that we find it hard to discover rest because of the past. Because of guilt. When I think about my past, I cannot rest. The past guilt, the deep shame. We cannot rest because I'm a sinner and I don't want God's help. I don't want to go to God. I want to go to something else. I want to do it my way. Why is it so hard to rest and find rest for our souls? It's unbelief. The bad news of rest this morning is that if you try to look for rest in the materialistic world we live in, like whatever you can touch, smell, taste, feel, if you try to find rest in the empirical world, there is no rest. It is impossible. That's why it is so hard to rest in this broken and mangled world. Genuine rest and complete satisfaction will escape us because it does not exist. It is not here. It is not here. You know, even uh, Scripture tells us that, uh, I, I didn't think about this, I didn't know this, but even demons seek rest. You know, Jesus would cast out demons, right? He would exercise demons. And they would go from one desert to one wilderness to another looking for rest. Even these demons would look for rest but could not find it. This is what life is like for people outside of Christ. This is what it's like. It is very much like being a demon. I'm not calling you a demon. I ain't calling you a demon, but it's very much like that. Jumping from one thing to the next, X, Y, and Z, one, two, three. Even Solomon, the wisest man to ever walk the face of the earth, said that in this non-spiritual, materialistic, and empirical world, there is no rest. How do we know that? He said, it's vanity, vanity, vanity. It is meaningless, meaningless meaningless. It is like chasing after the wind. Like chasing after the wind. But the good news today, in today's text, Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The good news of the gospel, the good news today is the invitation to come to rest is aimed at all. It is aimed at everyone. Who's invited, right? Sometimes you want to ask that question when you're going to a party or you're going to a shindig. Who's invited? And Jesus says, all you. Everyone is tired. Everyone lacks rest. Everyone is troubled. Everyone has burdens. Therefore, everyone is invited to come 
to Jesus. Come to him. You know, right now we're in this, um, we're in an election period, right? And anytime someone asks me, hey B, that's what people call me B. Hey B, who are you voting for? Who are you voting for? And every time I, I, I receive that question, I get asked that question, there's a, a sinking feeling inside of me. And my sinking feeling is not because of the candidates or the state of the nation, but the sinking feeling is that it's because I'm not allowed to vote. I'm not a U.S. citizen. I'm not invited to the booth. I'm not welcome to vote. And it's, it's because of my criminal record. I, I tried to get, uh, tried to become a citizen several years ago, but I have a criminal record and I got rejected. I will have to try again with a lawyer, but the point is, I really appreciate this invitation to all people, to all people, to come. I'm not saying it's unfair that I can't vote. I think it's, that's right. I shouldn't be able to vote. But the point is that there's so much joy, enthusiasm, and blessing that, that comes with this invitation to all peoples. Doesn't matter what your religious background is. It doesn't matter what your creed is, your race, or your socioeconomic situation. Doesn't matter what you've done in the past. The invitation is for everyone. Have you truly received the invitation to come to Jesus? Maybe this is why it's so hard for you to rest. Notice that Jesus doesn't come and say, Come to church. Now I'm glad you're here. Because church is a means to his grace. It is a vehicle to bless you. But coming to church doesn't mean you came to Jesus. You know, there are parents in this room, perhaps. There are parents abroad. And, you know, they raise their children to come to church. Right? You raise your children to come to church every Sunday. And then they become 18, 19, 20. They're in college. And they don't go to church anymore. Because the church dropout rate <laughs> after high school is like astronomical. Right? And the parents sit in their living room and they ask themselves questions like, you know, we raised him or her to go to church. How come they don't go to church anymore? Not that they're parents or adults. The reason is because They, they grew up in church, but the church did not grow up in them. They went to church, but they never went to Jesus. They did not come to Jesus. Jesus says, come to me. It is a personal relationship with God. Jesus does not say, come to religion, or come to doctrine, or come to theology, or come to even a prayer meeting, or a revival meeting, or a retreat. Those are all good things. But they're inferior compared to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Come to me, Jesus says. Now some of you guys are in this room, and you say, are you sure this invitation is for me? Do you know what I've done? 
Jesus doesn't say, come to me, all those who deserve it. Because I invite people to Jesus all the time. They say, I just don't deserve it, B. I don't deserve his grace. I don't deserve his mercy. I said, that's why exactly why I'm asking you to come. That's precisely why I'm asking you to come to Jesus with me. Because you don't deserve his grace. You don't deserve his mercy. That's exactly why it's the good news. Jesus doesn't say, come to me, those who are trying to get themselves out of their mess. Even if it's all your fault, you're in this mess. Jesus is saying, come. Come to me. Come to me. I know some of you guys are still like, well, I don't deserve anything from God. Let me get this straight. You're right. You're right. We don't deserve anything from God. And that's why it's called an invitation. It's an invitation. No one deserves an invitation. You know, sometimes I'm the officiant of uh, a wedding, and the bride and the groom, they still send me an invitation. And I laugh, because I'm like, why you send me an invitation, man? I'm going to be there, right? I'm gonna be, you ask me to officiate the wedding, I'm going to be there. Right? What you worried about? And I realize that I do some introspection and, and I think through it. it it's, not, it's not about um, so much the piece of paper and the, and the letters written on it. It's the grace, the extension of grace, saying, you belong here. I welcome you here. You didn't earn this. You don't deserve this. Jesus is making an invitation for those without a Savior, a call to believe in him. And he's also making an invitation for those who are already Christians, already believers. It is a call to follow him as a committed disciple. As a committed disciple. It is a call to completely turn your lives over to him. The irony that a call to committed discipleship is an invitation to rest. A call to committed discipleship, to walk with Jesus every day, every hour, is an invitation to rest. Christian, if you're a Christian in this room, I want you to think about this. How do we find rest for our soul? This is the last thing I want to talk about. And I'm speaking to everyone, but especially for the Christian. One of the reasons why we have not found rest for our souls, even as Christians, is because we don't realize that there's a work to be done. There is service. Because when I studied this text, I found it very confusing. I get confused a lot anyway. But I found it even more confusing because Jesus invites the people to rest. That's confusing in itself. Like, why do you have to invite people to rest, right? But that's how hard it is, right? He has to invite people to rest. And then secondly, after he tells them, come to me and I will give you rest, he says, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. Now, this yoke, this piece of wood, is, is intended for a beast of burden, like a, like a cattle, right? 
and it's usually locked with another animal of equal size, of equal proportion, of equal strength, and they go into the field and they plow together. This is what the yoke is for. It, it connects two animals to work in the field. And so Jesus is offering rest to these people, and then he says, come to work with me. Come to work with me. If you come to work with me, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. You can find rest for your souls. Our, our souls only find rest in hope. In hope of working with Jesus, of walking with him. God rested from all his work on the seventh day because his work was fulfilled. Do you know that Jesus has finished the work of creating a new you, of your salvation? Do you know that on the cross, Jesus took your burden, your yoke, your unfinished business, your unfinished work, and he laid them upon himself, and now he gives you his yoke to work with him, to rest in him, do you know Jesus? If you do, are you working for him? You cannot separate these truths. Salvation is absolutely free. Don't get it twisted. But it will cost you something. Jesus speaks of a yoke, a spiritual task, a responsibility in the kingdom of God to make an impact. Even joining a community group every week that's where quite frankly I've been finding my rest lately it's committing to people serving people preparing food for people it ain't the best food but that's where I'm finding my rest when life is not about me it's about God and others and Jesus promises us that he will give us rest Jesus' goal is to create a new life in you. A life where you don't need to take a vacation from it. That's the kind of life Jesus has created for you by dying for you and rising again. He creates a life in you, a life where you don't need to take a vacation from, where you don't need to escape. Many of us are, are running from our ultimate reality, and it is Christ. It is Christ. Let us bow our heads at this time and think about what we find rest in instead of Jesus. Let us also think about the great joy for those who believe in Jesus Christ in the gospel. But there's also awesome responsibility. Awesome responsibility. Jesus has come to me. Believe in who I claim to be. I am gentle and lowly in spirit. Therefore, believe in what I'm able to do for you. On the cross, Jesus says, it is finished. And now you can rest in peace while you're alive. The good news changes everything, especially how you live.
We tell the dead to rest in peace. But for those who did not trust in Christ, their work is not done. For those who are alive and need more life, the good news enables us to rest in peace while we work, while we breathe, while we exist.